Hello, welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. On this week's episode, I'm going to be interviewing my mother. <laughs> now, this is this is full disclosure. I um, tricked her into being on the podcast today. <laughs> we uh, haven't. We've only seen each other once since the. COVID shut down. And this is the first time she's been back. Um, the first time you've seen the store in a year and a half, a lot has changed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot has changed. Yeah. I told her not to be nervous or worried because she, I'm just going to be talking. I mean, it's just like us. We've, we're best friends. I mean, we've always been close for a long time. It was just me and mom, you know? Yep. For a long time. So I, I wanted to have her on, um, mainly because mom, th- this podcast started as again, teaching people to start their own design business and stereotypically, um, or just through my demographics and seeing who, who follows me and it's, it's 99% women. And a lot of the times it's scary to start your own business as a woman. I mean, we're kind of taught you need to follow the rules and, you know, there's only certain kinds of careers, but I mean, now it's nice that anyone can be anything, right? But you were such, um, really a trailblazer in business. I learned my work ethic and, you know, being business-minded and how to be professional from you. You probably didn't even know that. No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Mom was actually, um, she was in the tech world, which these days you say, oh yeah, you're in the tech world and you know, people just assume, oh, it's Microsoft or, but back, what year did you start with computers? Oh, uh, about 1980. Really? Was that, I thought it was in the seventies more at Boeing. Well, I was at Boeing, but we didn't, some guys came in and said, we have this thing to show you called a computer. And I was a token girl chosen to go look at it with them. Yeah. With the other men, like they had to choose a woman to, yeah. So they took four guys and me and I tricked them. <laughs> she was the smartest. She was the one that stayed. I mean, you ended up at the highest level of essentially IT support for all of Boeing. Yeah. Um, she was like famous at Boeing. I could be anywhere and say, oh, well, my mom's Judy Goddard. Oh, your mom, she's so <laughs> smart. I wrote big posters and they still have them on the wall in the help center. Really? Like which ones? Oh, I don't know. What to do if a customer calls, says this, oh. what, what to say back and... Yeah. And what did you normally say? Turn it off, turn it back on again. Yeah, exactly. Unplug it, plug it back in again, which really hasn't changed much. Isn't that sad? Technology hasn't changed that much. Right. It really hasn't. But you you played such a big role in, A, me having confidence, and B, again, I could achieve anything. You know, growing up in the 70s, I wasn't raised to think that I couldn't do something, People now, like, they'll look at the size of the store, they'll look at the things that I've done or the projects that I've done and say, like, wow, you had so much courage. You have, but I think, I thought everyone did. You know, I I thought that was just sort of normal. Like, you wanted to do something, you just went and did it. But I learned that from you. I mean, my mother, growing up, and again, my, you know, my, my parents um, split up when I was like in the sixth grade and we're all still friends and um, it was as amicable as a, as a split could be. Um, but so it was really just my mom and I from the sixth grade on. And I would wake up one morning 
and the washing machine would be torn apart, all the pieces all over. What are you doing? She says, well, it was broken. <laughs> so he's going to figure it out. Yeah, I came from figuring it out. I, yeah, I remember you tore apart the dishwasher. You've, you started building computers as a hobby for a while. Um, you, you are better at fixing most like cars more than most people. I used to have to um, sit on the fender with my legs inside the uh, computer com- department where the motor was. Really? Uh, yeah, because old cars only had a small motor right in the middle, and you had to sit on the fender on the inside. Oh, to work on it? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. But how many women worked on cars, especially back when you were young in um, the 80s? No. Yep, I took a class with... All these guys, and it, it was fun. It's just a puzzle. I just am a puzzle doer, and all computing is, and cars are is puzzles. But well, and that's what design is, though. I mean, I really do think that's why I've been so successful. Um, a, you taught me to be also personable, right, and to be confident. And um, I remember once we were walking in downtown Kirkland, and I saw someone that and I think I maybe met her at the store, like when I was first designing. And I said, oh, there's so-and-so. But and you said, well, go say hi. And I said, no, no. What if she doesn't remember me? And you said, you're a snob. I said, I'm not a snob. I'm just insecure. But then it started to occur to me, like, yeah, what, what would be wrong just saying hi? So you taught me to be outgoing. <laughs> I've got some stories. She's pretty outgoing. Uh, well, you used to be more outgoing. I try not to be too embarrassing. Yeah, now. <laughs> Not when we were kids. But you you did teach me that, you know, just to smile and to be polite and um, to be confident and to, to talk to everyone as if, you know, we were all equals. You know, and then you taught me that I could do anything, right? That I could have any job. But that whole puzzle thing, that's the, that's the piece. No one in our family has been creative. I mean, we have artists, but can you think of anyone else in our history? I mean, there's inventors and artists, scientists, but but no one that's done design or sculpting. It was more um, scientific illustrations. and. But I right. think I'm the only one, other than some engineers, that do anything spatial. So that, that kind of threw my family off a bit. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just problem solving. You know, you, I see this room... And it's a certain size, and it's a certain space, and then they have a certain budget, and they have a certain look, and I have to put all find all the puzzle pieces first that go together, and then put them together correctly, and then convince this person with confidence that this is the right way to solve the puzzle, because there's an infinite number of ways to put together a room. So you find the right puzzle pieces, and you put them together. And and when Kurt was on, um, that was the one thing I asked him, like, why do you like design, you know, over like home staging? And he said, it's it's puzzle solving. It's it's problem solving for people because you have you know, there's so many different aspects, you know, that go into a design, and you have to keep that all in your head while you're figuring each puzzle piece. You have to remember everything else that's going on and how it's going to fit. You have to pay attention to what they want, not just what you think it should look like. Exactly, and that's all part of the puzzle too. You know, it's kind of like they give you, it's like doing a puzzle with parameters, you know, these rules, and the client sets the rules, and then again, you find the pieces and put them together. I mean, that's how I'm judged, really, but it is just, that's the part I like that was that problem-solving 
and solving it for someone. You were always really generous. And so growing up, we had, you had big parties. You had lots of parties. And I will, and I have said this to her before, so please don't um, think that I'm being mean to my mother, but I did not get my design talent from you. No. (laughs) (laughs) When I was going to design school, and I would have the other designers, you know, maybe come home for the weekend from college. And I would get there first and run around and take the flamingo kites off the wall and the goofy, you know, signs that she had. She had beautiful antiques that have been passed down through generations, beautiful and big, beautiful piano. And and then she had a neon sign about this color <laughs> It said, enter at your own risk. Exactly. <laughs> and it, it was so bright. You could see it from down the street. You're walking. You, I mean, you, you could point out our house. It was like, looked like an alien craft landed in our living room. But it was amongst all these antiques and things. And you didn't do it because it was good design. I just liked it. Exactly. And when I go to her house now, and I redesign her house every time I go, yeah, at no, least a little. She doesn't even say hello. She just comes in and starts moving stuff. <laughs> But I, I tell her that, it, and I, I use you as an example a lot um, to clients, that that it's easy to see, like, this looks pretty, and this looks pretty, and I like this, and I like this. But you never think of the whole picture. Of, you don't really care how they c- relate to one another. I mean, you just like the stuff. Yeah, so I just put it in there. Yeah. <laughs> you ought to see my house now. <laughs> you haven't been there for a while. <laughs> I told someone yesterday, my mother's house is 80% flamingos. And they thought for a minute, said, what? Like she likes flamingos? Well, they're such a pretty color and they're vibrant and electric and give you courage and stuff. Yeah, well, and I, and I, you know, you tell anyone, oh, I like this. And you're going to start getting that for your gift. Yes. And she is, it's it's mostly gifts. And I I don't want to put them away because the, People might feel bad. I didn't wasn't displaying their gift, so that uh-huh. is a lot of it. Yeah. Oh, sure. It's a lot of flamingos. <laughs> it's very pink. Pink's always been our color. But you did you you had um, you had great parties growing up, and uh, which I I have gotten that from you. I think the entertaining and being um, a good host, like you were right. always a great host, uh, and taking care of people, making sure people are comfortable and they have what they need and and again mom you probably didn't know I mean that's part of being a designer too it's you know it's pleasing people we've always been people pleasers well I agree (laughs) (laughs) she clearly didn't get the or I got the um talkative sign from (laughs) not from my father my father never talks uh but but it was a big it was a big part of it and so when I first went to school I thought I was uh, going to be a science teacher. I wanted to be either a biology teacher or really wanted to be a physics teacher. And science does run in my family. And growing up, like my mom lived with her grandma, right, that was a scientist. And you said you never did cookies. She would teach you to make wet mount slides. and Yeah, use- micros- microscopes everywhere. Yeah, and mealworms or weird things right like yeah that you feed um goldfish and tropical fish and stuff yeah she was just a scientist and my grandfather had 93 patents in the electrical and pump stuff he designed the berkeley bay bridge that's seven miles he did all the underground 
stuff for seven miles. Yeah, and and there was something else in Berkeley because the family was from Berkeley. Um, it wasn't Bart. Well, yeah, he invented the jacuzzi, jacuzzi for Boy, uh, he had jacuzzi money. I probably wouldn't be here though if he had actually made the money. We have a, I have a family full of inventors that aren't very good business people, which is why I'm kind of an anomaly. Yes. <laughs> he invented money. the jacuzzi for a little kid that was crippled. And then that father patented it and yeah. sold the patent for a billion dollars. But my grandfather said, I, I don't care. All this they were else. neighbors. Yeah, yeah Mr. Jacuzzi was their neighbor. Jacuzzi money. But, um, but growing up, again, we never had that in our house. Design was never a thing in our house. We'd go antiquing. But it was mostly science. That's what I learned. So I wanted to be a science teacher. And it wasn't, I've told the story where, um, you know, I felt, you know how I fell into design, that it was literally an accident that I was, <laughs> maybe I didn't tell you because she paid for my college, <laughs> that I was sort of late registering for classes. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, she I also have doesn't have ADD this. and she's very organized and punctual and that's not me. Um, but I needed an elective and I was scrambling. This was a back, I'm old enough that this was before the internet. And so to register for, you know, for class, you'd have to go through the, the book and then you'd find the class you want. You circle and you have to look at the time. You circle and you fill out a little form and you'd wait in this big long line. You'd get up to the front and you hand them your form and they'd say, nope, class closed. Nope, class closed. Nope, class closed. Well, that's because you were always last. I, that's what I mean. I'd procrastinated <laughs> and I was last. So I was racing to find an elective and I had gone through that line like three times and I was so frustrated. And so I finally found one. And they said, oh, that's open. I said, oh. Okay, thank you. I'll just take it. And it, I thought it was an environmental studies class. It oh. was interior environments. Oh. That's how this whole thing started, <laughs> really. <laughs> and, you know, the professor was describing the first day of class, and they're going over the syllabus, and they're describing things. And she was describing me. She said her desk is always messy, but to her, that's organ it's organized chaos. Like, she knows where everything is. And that's the way she liked it. If people cleaned her desk, she wouldn't know where where something was. And she could be walking down the street and she'd see a beautiful leaf on the ground and she'd pick it up and just love the color and she'd save it because look at the patterns and look at the color and say, that's me. And she was really just describing my personality. And that was the day that I switched from physics to interior design. <laughs> and back then, and again, I always talk about... Um, there's such a stigma and, and so much prejudice in the design world about you're not a decorator, you're a designer, right? If you have the four-year degree, you're allowed to call yourself a designer. But we would actually get trouble. We'd get in trouble at school if we called ourselves or anyone else a decorator. Someone asked me the other day, what's the difference between a sofa and a couch? It's a four-year degree because <laughs> in school, you had to call it a sofa or you got points marked off. So, um, you know, going through that, that whole process, I was sucked into, because I was getting my four-year degree, so I could be called a designer, and I was very adamant about it. I had a chip on my shoulder because of how I had been taught, and I kept trying to tell my family what I was doing, and my grandparents, oh, what, are you, what are you doing again? So I'm going to be an interior designer, and my grandma kept calling me a decorator, and I kept correcting her. And eventually she said, this is Chelsea. She's an interior, whatever you call it. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was not really looked upon favorably in our family. I mean, really, it, it, it was never understood what I was doing. I think until I got out of school and started working and then designed Grandma's house once. And I went back and she had drawn pencil lines around all the accessories I had placed so that when she dusted, she could put them back in the exact same spot. Exactly. That was the first time I thought, okay, Grandma accepts me. Yeah. <laughs> She's proud of me. Yeah. You know, again, and a lot of the reasons that I talk about this stuff, Mom, is because people that watch the podcast and listen, again, they want to start a design business. They, they have that passion, um, but they're afraid to actually make it a career. And it's not, it's not as hard as everyone makes it sound to make it a career. It just depends on the level of design, you, you know, how big. I keep telling people, if, if you can pick out a coffee table for your neighbors and set up a business where you can charge them for that, then that's, I mean, that's a service. That's a great business for help. You know, you're helping people. Um, but it isn't, it, it, I guess it wasn't very, uh, it wasn't considered an, an uh, intellectual career or a degree. And I don't think my family really understood that. But they did eventually. I mean, don't you think? Grandma, yes, grandma, yes, grandma yeah. was proud of me at the end. She was. <laughs> and my dad was always proud of you, too. Yeah. It, yeah. It took a while. I think it, it wasn't until my 30s that they finally accepted me, I think. They were great. They, I learned other stuff from them. But So do you remember at all when I was little? Do you remember me? decorating or being interested in this stuff? I remember when you were probably first grade, you wanted to take one wall in your bedroom and have big rollers with different fabric on the rollers so you could pull down and cover up one wall with whatever you felt like that day. If you'd felt yeah. crummy, you'd have a black wall. And if you felt better, you'd have flowers. And that was when you were really, really young. You wanted to yeah. do that. I remember, and then as I got older, I, I started thinking, you know, you could put it behind like crown molding, like it, it could just hide. Yeah. You could just pull it down. I told her, now we have peel and stick. Yeah, <laughs> now we have peel and stick <laughs> wallpaper. Yeah, but I, I have. I mean, I look back and I always decorated my Barbie houses. Yes. More than I played, and I always wanted. It was always domestic things. I wanted to be a housewife. I, I think part of that comes from watching all those fifties uh, comedy shows growing up. Well. I was always working too, and you had to learn how to to run and fix the washer by yourself and do all the dishes and stuff. I I was sort of a negligent negli, negligent mother. Negligent, you were not. <laughs> See, and that's the mom guilt. But I oh. went, I went to work every day, and by the time I left, I was making twenty dollars an hour, and that was a lot of money thirty years ago. Yeah. You made a lot more than that. You were oh. making like seventy-five, I think, the last job you had, or eighty dollars an hour. Yeah, yeah, on a forty-hour-a-week job, that was good for yeah. a woman. Yes, and that was well. I left in two thousand, so yeah, I know, I know. I'm always so proud of you, and I tell everyone that you know. Again, how do you have the courage to do this? And wow, look at what you've built. And but I just grew up not knowing any different. Yeah, that's true. If I wanted to do it. And it was, I mean, you did work a lot. But I look... I didn't bring it home too much. No, no. We had fun when you were home. But I did spend that time alone. Um, I was always putting on a show. I was always pretending I had a cooking show. I was always rearranging furniture at home. Um, You know, and playing make-believe. And 
I did, I think, I think that alone time also helped foster my independence and my creativity. Yes, I think so. I wasn't being told that I had to do certain activities. I was getting to make up whatever I wanted and cook. And, um, but I also was home alone a lot. And, and like, I always felt that how I, I felt the house was mine as much as it was yours. I was never, I never felt like a kid in my parents' house. You know, you and I always treated it as our home. So I essentially, you know, I could have moved around furniture. You wouldn't care. I I had that freedom. Yeah, that's um, true. I the first thing I remember designing, like truly designing, was third grade, and I got my dad to build a canopy bed. I got a full size bed and not a twin anymore, and I wanted a canopy. And so dad bent the wood and made the canopy. And we had little um, Battenberg lace, you know, cover on it. And I had this image in my mind of what I wanted it to look like. Because my friend Summer Smith, Jill, had been to her house and said, she had a decorator do her room. And it's beautiful. Summer's room is all white uh, and green with one little pop of orange. She had this rabbit that had an orange carrot. And it was so simple, but just beautiful. And I thought, wow, I never thought of that, like really designing my room. And I wanted gray and pink and white. I had that in my mind. (laughs) And Christmas came, and Grandma, bless her heart, bought me a comforter set, and it was like a light blue and yellow and white. And I was crushed. I remember being crushed. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't like it. It wasn't what I had in my mind. But out of respect to her, I kept it for, I think, two years. And then I got my pink and gray and white. But I, I probably, at that point on, I mean, I was rearranging my room, you know, right. once a month and <laughs> redecorating. and All around the goldfish that she kept telling me was alive. <laughs> You could go over and poke it and go down under the water a little bit and pop back to the top upside down. And you have to think, oh, I just need to feed it more. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't the most responsible kid. (laughs) I was really creative. (laughs) Goldfish thought so. (laughs) I did have fun decorating the the goldfish bowl. I remember that. I had more fun picking out the little things for the goldfish bowl than I did the fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be all right. It's an accessory. It's not important. It's like fresh flowers. You just get a new one every few weeks. Yeah. I I, I look back and I should have known I was going to be a designer. I mean, I do. I remember sewing throw pillows too, because you had taught me to sew. Mm-hmm. You sewed my grand, both of my grandmothers sewed. My mother's an amazing seamstress. Amazing. Um, and I hand sewed throw pillows and the the inside was a certain color maybe a stripe and then the I made an outside cover with ties at the end in like a gray and I didn't have any filling stuff you know to stuff them with so I used um, the grass for my Easter basket the plastic grass <laughs> and so every for I had those on my bed I don't know three or four years and they at least Easter grass in them Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I guess, I, I, again, I should have known, but it wasn't something that was on our radar. Um, oh, but going back to the, 
to the house when, um, yeah, I forgot. I didn't finish that story. ADD. Um, my design friends would come home for the weekend and I would take down the kites and I would take down, you know, all the, I left the neon cause it was too heavy and I'd take down all of the weird stuff and I'd hide it in the closet. And so one weekend I came home and she had had brass plaques made that said interior design, not by Chelsea. And she stuck it to the front door. I still have one of those. You had like four or five made. I know. <laughs> well, that was to be polite to you. you know? Yeah. <laughs> she knew I was embarrassed of her house. And, and over the... It was always clean and it was neat. It just oh, had sure. strange stuff. It did. Like when I was in college, this is again how, how on interior design you were. But, but again, love you and I've got a lot of my eclectic uh, taste from you. But I was in college, and she called, and she said, um, what, kind of, what kind of black light, or what kind of cabinet should I get for the black light? And I said, what? What? A black light? Yeah, for the living room. Why are you putting a black light in the living room? Well, she had this great uh, like Vaseline glass, right? It, but it's made out of depleted uranium, so it glows under black light. So she had a hutch that was filled with all of this glassware and a little black light in it. So it glowed. That was in the corner. You also used to always... <laughs> she had this old 50s um, style hairdresser, you know, like, like a, a hairdryer that fits down over your curlers and was pink. And it sat in the corner of the room over a stuffed gorilla, like a giant stuffed gorilla that sat in this old rocking chair that is so old, and we have portraits of Helen Keller, like the actual Helen Keller, who lived next door to my grandparent, my great-grandparents growing up. We have pictures of Helen Keller in this chair, like it was Helen Keller's chair. And my mom's got a big stuffed gorilla with a big For the hair pink dryer. hair dryer over it, and the flamingo kites, and the neon sign, and then, you know, other beautiful antiques. It sounds that, funny now. It didn't sound so funny at the time. <laughs> And when we went, I just went to her house. Now, when when mom built this house or bought a house and um, up in Birch Bay, it's right. It's almost at the Canadian border, uh, so it's a beautiful. It's like a vacation spot. Mostly Canadians come down, and that's their little beach community. And it's it's beautiful. It's cute, little quaint. So she bought um, this house, and I was going to help her design it. But I that time I think I lived in Florida, maybe Florida or Texas. And so you'd call me and say, I want to do this. Is this okay? <sighs> she says, I want the tile in my backsplash. I found this yellow tile, and I found a blue tile. And then it also comes in green, and it comes in pink. So I'm just thinking of mixing them all up. And I thought, no, 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 please, no, no, <laughs> no. Let's stick with white. And that was the first, like, white Subway. Subway had just started being popular again. I said, but we can do the floor. She said, oh, so I can do all the colors in the floor. No, we're going to pick one. And so it's, it's a beautiful butter yellow and white checkered floor. Um, and then she has so much, again, between the flamingos, between neon, between your um, obsession for maybe a good three-year period of lava lamps. How many lava lamps do you have? Oh, not too many anymore. But you used to have a lot. They're beautiful. But between all of that stuff and... Uh, yeah, so this must have been late 90s, because I said, okay, let's do this. You love Mary Englebright, and I don't know if you guys remember, Mary Englebright was, um, she illustrated cards and calendars and 
she, she was really famous um, back in the 90s. I said, let's, let's go for that Mary Englebright look where we're, you have all this crazy stuff on purpose. And it was on, like, you chose to do it as a design aesthetic. And so I came up for two weeks and we sewed a slip cover for the sofa, window treatments for your whole living room and your kitchen. You, uh, we had put floor in, we, you know, we did all the accessories. We painted your fireplace, this really pretty soft turquoise, um, got new carpet installed. We did a, a lot and it was beautiful. And then, you know, I come back like six months later, meh, we've got red throw rugs and she's like, but I thought it was pretty. Well, I'm protecting the carpet. <laughs> and every time I go, it's, there's like a new addition and I, I'm over it now because you were like the worst client because you didn't, you, we have the relationship where you're like, nope, not going to do it. Don't care what you think. I don't care if it'd look better. Nope. Not for me. And but mom, please, it doesn't look right. You gotta. And so you kept, I you probably kept it that way for a little while. And then you were like, screw it. I'm doing it my way. I really was protecting the carpet. Well, like you've got new <laughs> curtains in your kitchen. Yeah, I, I worked did. really hard to match that just that color with the color that's in your in your slipcover. Yes, she's got new. It's different. It doesn't match the same. But you like okay, it, and okay. that's all that matters. Well, slipcovers in another room, you know, <laughs> that opens up to it. It's like it's a. But it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Who cares? Like, you know, life is too short. That's one thing COVID's taught us all. But um, if you want to have a house that it's just surrounded with things you love, there's nothing wrong with that. It makes you smile. There's only two lava lamps in the living room. <laughs> One of them's Christmas themed, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of them's Christmas themed. Well, it's pretty. Uh-huh. See? And then she did, she, you're also um, a collector, you're definitely a collector. And so you'll, you'll pick one thing, and again, antiques, and um, boy, when eBay first came out. You you were like a platinum level eBay purchaser, but um, wallfish, the old fifties wallfish that are kind of flat, um, plat you know the ceramic. The ceramic, yeah. yeah. Oh, she's got wallfish. You have and maybe I've, fifty wallfish oh, in your bathroom. No, not that many. But I looked them up the other day, and they're getting more and more valuable. Oh well, sure, it, they are. I mean, you, you you're a collector stuffed gorillas and things like that not so much you did go you had a small i don't have any gorillas anymore no yeah i don't think there's any stuffed animals in the living room anymore no but 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 you just surround yourself with things that make you smile and you did teach me that like right you know it's it's be yourself who cares who cares what anyone else thinks yeah exactly i'm not trying to impress anybody yeah you just like and i do that now where i walk through my house and, and other designers who come over say, you should change this, you should change that. No. And we talked about that, the little hamburger on my nightstand or on my end table. Why do I have a plastic hamburger? Because my grandma used to keep her change in it. And it reminds me of being little and my grandma. Who cares if anyone else likes it? I keep my flossers in it now. Yeah, good for you. I know. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> now, it's, we, we've, you have done more to shape who I am now and again, I uh, again I look at all of this and think, my mom would have done it. I can do it. Well, it helps you do what the people want too, not just what you think as a designer should be perfect. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. If someone wants a purple couch, I'll give them a purple couch. You yeah, know, it's- I like this purple couch. <laughs> it's a sofa. Oh, it's a sofa. Sorry. <laughs> it's a Davenport. Davenport. Uh huh. Yeah. No, I think I, I don't tell you thank you enough for uh, making me the person that I am well. today. <laughs> You're welcome. People like me. Um, I'm a role model, but but I, I really do. Good. I do that's why give you most of the credit. Well, that's why your business is good, because you look at what the people want, not just what you think should be perfect. And when you come yeah. in, one of the impressive things you do is you ask them if, if they have a cat that's going to be on this sofa. You know, because yeah. you don't want to get a dark-colored sofa with a white cat. So Yeah, do you have kids? You, do you, How do you live in your house? Yeah, you do, you do that. I think that's unique. Yeah, thank you. Now, we're kick-ass women. Take charge. I wonder if you if you were my age, you know, in today's day and age where, where you did have more freedoms, where you didn't have to tiptoe around men um, to get ahead, Yeah, you know? I was just lucky that I got put in a position purely by accident that I was successful with. It, it does. It reminds me, your story reminds me of um, that movie Hidden Figures where... You know, the women at, at NASA, and um, you know, no one paid attention to them. They were segregated. They were, you know, such second second class citizens. But um, I forget the actress's name. But the big IBM computer came in, and she just picked up the instruction manual. Yeah, and, and read, read it, it. And the guys couldn't make it work. Yeah, and that was a lot of nothing. Kind of holds you back. It's like, well, let's try it. Yeah, that's figure sort, it out. Sort of the same stuff I did. Yeah, I know. So I wonder, yeah, what what you would have done if there was nothing that held you back. You know, you you tiptoed around. Tell me the story about um, the big meeting you were in at Boeing when the the man asked you to uh, all these all these men, a whole room full of men from both IBM and and our company and. Somebody needed a copy of something, so the the guy asked me if I'd go make a copy for him. And I said, I stood up, and said, "Don't these men know how to run that copier? You don't know how to run the machine? Okay, I guess I'll go make it for you." <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had to, right? But I know I sort of regretted that, but it no. just slipped out. <laughs> no, that's what you got to do. But and and it's just I have an easier battle these days, but. I, I think people should just go for what they want. It can't hurt to try. Yeah, exactly. You know, try to figure it out. It's just a puzzle. There's always an instruction booklet for anything you want to do. And even now, you know, some men don't like to um, read the book. Oh, yeah. My husband is one of them. Kevin, it's like he's allergic to instruction booklets. I don't get it. It. It's not as it's not to me. It's not a, a badge of honor to put together something in three hours that you've had to re put together, you know, four times. Yeah. And when it, it would have taken you twenty minutes if you just read the instruction booklets. I finally um, gave Kevin an analogy that he it clicked for him. I said, you know, I like instruction booklets so much, and I like to think who who made this instruction booklet. The person, the engineer right. that built this machine is the one that said, now listen, this is how you do it. This is how you put it together. Why wouldn't you listen to them? Yeah. Why, why do you think you're smarter than the engineer 
that even like a bookcase, read the instructions and you'll put it together like that. The person that made it is teaching you how to use his product. Why is why does that hurt your manhood to not listen to the person who's clearly more knowledgeable about this yeah. than you are? It's ego. Yeah, where'd they get that anyway? I don't know. There was another time when... Uh, <laughs> And it also reflects poorly on me, but um, Kevin had been on a deployment, and in the Navy, it's usually a six-month deployment, and uh, he has this Mustang, a 1990s Mustang, which he would rub with a diaper. He loves that car. And I was supposed to start it every month and drive it just to keep it running, and mom had been there visiting, and it was right when Kevin got home, and he was out working on the Mustang. Something was wrong with it. It wouldn't start. It wouldn't start. And he changed the battery. And then the next day he changed the alternator and the starter. And my mom just, she's just knitting. She kept saying, sounds like it's not getting gas. And I'd go tell Kevin, mom says it sounds like, I don't want to hear what your mother has to say. You know, typical mother-in-law stuff. And for three days, mom's just knitting. It's just, it sounds like it's not getting gas. Turns out it was out of gas. <laughs> I had driven it every month. It never occurred to me I that I had to that, fill up the tank. I think that's happened twice. <laughs> it has happened twice. I love you, Kevin. But yeah. And of course, he wouldn't, he wouldn't listen to us, um, to you, God forbid. But it is funny that uh, sometimes it's the simplest. Yeah. It's ego. It's, yeah, it's all ego. Women have it too, but it's, it's mostly a male. That poor car got all new parts. <laughs> <laughs> Brand new. We paid for those. <laughs> Didn't need any of it. It was just out of gas. Yeah, my bad. But <laughs> you would never have done that. Poor Kev. I know. No, I wanted to thank you. Thank you very much for all that you've taught me and the courage. You made me who I am today. She's still my best friend. Well, I'm real proud of you. Thank you. You know, I really am. You were here at the beginning of the store. I mean, she was sewing pillows. Oh, I think like I made 70 in a row. 70, yeah. She's got two more tomorrow. I have the sewing oh, machine no. set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you were always my seamstress. Remember when we lived in Florida and I was doing design work and uh, I had this project. This is so what it would have been like 19... No, two, um, 1999, I think, because it was right before um, 2000. And burlap, I thought, let's use burlap. It's a great fat, you know, fiber. It's you know, the texture, and we can make it look really fancy. So, Mom, I want this 10-foot table runner with the ends you know, tapered to a point, and we put tassels, and then we put this braid like around. And that was pretty forward for me, you know, in that year to do burlap, because now everything's burlap. We found out mom's allergic to burlap. <laughs> but uh, it wasn't until you'd been sewing on it for a week. Yeah, I just couldn't see. <laughs> her eyes are so... <laughs> so now the thought of burlap makes her, yeah, cringe. Yeah, I really don't care for burlap anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah, you've been there through my whole career, and and I'm grateful Thank you. And all the years you left me alone that I pretended I had um, my own TV show. Right? Amazing. Amazing. If it weren't for that, everything happens for a reason. 
Thank you. Yep. Well, I'm proud of how successful you are being. Thank you. And thank you for letting me rope you into sitting here and letting me ask you questions. Okay. (laughs) Anything else? Any parting? No, I really am proud of you. I brag to everybody about you. You know, you're doing a really good job. Thank you. You always have. I always said that when I was a kid, I could spit on a napkin. You'd frame it. Yeah. But that also, you Almost. know, that helped though, too. The the um, belief in me, confidence. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, everyone, for being here. It's a little insight into my past and who I am. And happy designing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcasts and Spotify, so stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and House at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at chelsea at designforaliving.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforaliving.com.